is ready for the word, would you say amen? And uh, we're going to read actually uh, two scriptures. Both of them will come out of the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. Way, way, way back over in the Old Testament, okay? The book of Numbers. And our first point of reference will be Numbers 13 and verse number 30. And then after that, we will turn about one page over to Numbers 14, and we'll go to verse 24 and kind of get right into the heart of what God is saying for this body today. I spent a lot of time this week in study and reading and working in the office and uh, having prayer time. I had the opportunity to visit with Sister Earlene Reagan this week at the nursing home. First time I've gotten to go back to the nursing home since the pandemic and, oh, boy, did we have a good time talking about the Lord and her blessings. She was our church secretary under my father many, many years. And then after that, uh, she was our church secretary under my ministry. And then when she retired from that, uh, we, uh, uh, she was uh, taught Sunday school here. Oh, my, my, how many years? We don't even know. And so uh, she is uh, remarkably uh, a great child of God, and so I, I just had that privilege. So it's been a wonderful week, a great week in my life. Numbers 13 and verse number 30, I think you'll find it above me. I'll be reading out of your good old standard KJV, King James Version. And it's going to say in this verse, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses. Now, some translations there say he quieted them. He uh, he had them to settle down where he could uh, uh, get his voice projected to where they were. And, and Moses said, let us go up at once. Or Caleb said, uh, as he stilled the people, uh, he said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we're well able to overcome it. Now, he's actually talking about possessing Canaan. Canaan's land, the promised land. And here's this man of God, a very unique man of God named Caleb. And they're talking about possessing the land and going forward. And Caleb stands and he says, everybody be quiet. Everybody listen. Let's go now. Let's not beat around the bush. Let's go now in Jesus' name for we're well able to overcome that land. Now, Numbers fourteen twenty four. if you will go with me there, just about one chapter over, just one page perhaps in your Bible. And I'm going to be reading now uh, what the Lord said about Caleb. Are you ready? This is what God said about him. But my servant Caleb, because he had a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land whereunto he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. And I want to go to that verse number 24, and I'm going to talk about a different spirit. KJV right there says, another spirit was in him. And one translation I read said that another spirit was with him. So I want you to follow me today because I'm going to lay a bit of a foundation before I uh, hit Happy Valley here and do a little Holy Ghost 
uh, preaching and kicked my leg a few times. Is that all right with everybody? Amen. Sometimes you don't uh, make up, you know, what you don't have, you know, in, in lightning. You have to make it up in thunder. <laughs> Amen. So uh, when, when I first started preaching, all I had was thunder. And I pray now I have a little bit of lightning in the cloud, right? So let, let's, let's enjoy this. Because of a different or another spirit, I, I'm liking that because I think that's God. God's word for us this morning. Uh, here, here's a story which shows the attitude of two types of people. All right, let's, let's set the scene. Here it is, two types of people. There's a defeated soul living in carnality, carne, that's the flesh. And uh, the, uh, the other kind is the victorious believer who has anointing and faith and power and has uh, an ability to stretch out before God and get something wonderfully accomplished. One says, I don't know if we can. And the other says, I know we can. One says, I'm not sure. And the other says, I'm very sure. One says, let's be cautious. The other said, let's take the land in Jesus' name. Having said all of this, God's Spirit comes down and God's people can possess the land and have another or a different spirit with them and following them. I don't know, but in my many, many years of preaching, I have found people that had many spirits in them. Many spirits in them. There's a spirit in the Bible of the Michael spirit. That was David's wife when... Uh, <laughs> when she had uh, watched him uh, praising God and dancing and jumping in the street because the Ark of the Covenant was coming home. And she chastised him, and she wanted to stamp out the praises of God. That's the Michael spirit. Don't get carried away. Just have a somber little meeting and tell the Lord you love him. She had that spirit. There's another one called the Herodias spirit in the Bible. And that was the gal that wanted John the Baptist's head for her birthday present. And she had John the Baptist's head cut off and put in a platter on the table when she ate. And she had John the Baptist killed because she wanted to make sure that his voice was silent. She didn't like his message. I don't want to hear what you've got to say, so my rich uncle is going to take your head just for me. And there's another spirit in the Bible, and that's the Jezebel spirit. And that spirit is a very rampant spirit in the world. And uh, that, that spirit says, I'm going to control. And if I can't control uh, and, and rule it, then I will make sure I ruin it. And that's a spirit that's in the world. And then there's yet another one in the Bible. And that's the, uh, the, uh, the Miriam spirit where Miriam looked at her brother and said, Huh, are you the only person that God talks to? He speaks to me too. And she had this arrogant thing. And Moses had to deal with her. So uh, I, I want to talk today about, not about all those spirits, just kind of let you know that they're out there. But I want to talk today about a different spirit that Caleb had. The Bible called it another spirit. It called it a different spirit. And I think that's very valuable today. Caleb's name is mentioned in the Bible 30 times. Now, there's more than one Caleb in the Bible. There's another one. 
But the one I'm talking about, his name is mentioned 30 times in the Bible. Uh, his name means bold. I, I don't want to be offensive to anybody here named Caleb, but in the old original meaning of his word, his name meant dog, D-O-G, dog. And somebody said, well, why would you call a man a dog? Well, that's really not an insult in Caleb's case. I'll tell you why. Because he was not a a, a Yorkshire Terrier. Is that what you guys have? A Yorkie? Is that what you call him, Yorkie? He he was not a Yorkie, okay? He was not a Chihuahua. (laughs) He was not a Rat Terrier. He was a tenacious bulldog. He was a pit bull. And somebody said, wow, that's not a compliment. Oh, yeah, he was a Doberman. He was a Rottweiler. Hallelujah. Uh, And it kind of stands out in my mind because this tenacious man was very bold and outgoing. He had a pit bull mentality. And this pit bull can latch on to you. And when he latches on to you, he doesn't let go. He doesn't back down. And he doesn't back off. He locks in. And he cannot be shaken off. That is a description of Caleb. That's the different spirit I'm going to talk about today. Everybody with me, shout amen. All right. So, uh, uh, by the way, when Caleb was born, he was not born by birth as an Israelite. Uh, he would look at problems that he had in front of him and not back down. And then he would uh, uh, persevere when other people would want to walk away from a job. How many of you believe that's a pretty good spirit? Say amen. And then he was a non-intimidated person that would even be willing to confront and go face to face in front of a giant or multiple giants. And another thing about Caleb, as I found in the Bible, he also never lowered his standards to become something less than what he was. And six times, if you're a note taker, you might want to write this down. It's noteworthy, I think. Uh, six times in the Bible, God said of uh, Caleb, he followed me fully. He was, he, he followed me wholly. He completely meaning, meaning that W-H-O-L-L-Y. He followed me totally. Uh, and, and I want you to understand this. Out of the 30 times God mentioned his name in the Bible, Every fifth time his name was called, God bragged on him. I wonder how you stack up. I wonder how I stack up. I wonder if God loves me and thinks so highly of me that every time, every fifth time he mentions Gary Johnson, he says, by the way, he's about as good as they get. He's, he just he just hangs on. He never backs down, never goes the other way, never afraid of a giant, never never uh, tired of being a conqueror. Man, oh man, I, I just kind of wish God could say that about all of us. How about you? How many of you would like to, for God to brag on you every fifth time he mentioned your name? Let me see your hand. Wouldn't that be deli- delightful? Well, this guy had courage that was absolutely unfailing. He would not fail in his courage. He stood the true test when other people in the crowd were people of what we call dastardly uh, attitudes. And, and uh, uh, they had uh, the, these dastardly men. Uh, that word means nothing more than a spineless coward. And this man of God had unique power. He had anointing with God. And it was so pronounced that God said of Caleb, he's different. Uh, 
he is, he's got another thing with him that most people don't have. And he's, he stands out among the crowd is what he's trying to say. Uh, and so, uh, the average means, uh, somebody, uh, he, he's not average. And, and the word average, if you don't know what that means, it means that if you're average, that you're the, uh, the best of the worst. And that you're also the worst of the best. You might ought to grab that today. It's just out there where nobody has anything pronounced to say. You're just better than what's average out there. And you're just uh, worse than what's the best out there. You're just kind of floating right down the middle. I, I don't want to be like that. How about you? I want to be the best of the best. I want God to look at me and call my name and say, Gary Johnson, uh, every, every fifth time he opens his mouth, brag on me a little bit. And I'm not saying that for arrogant purposes. I'm not doing that at all. Uh, I, I'm, I'm doing that because I want to be so connected with God that the Bible would say of me that I had another spirit with me. I had another spirit in my life. And I'm, I'm fixing to hit some camp meeting preaching here. So if you'll perk up a little bit for me and say amen, you might help me get over the top of this edge here. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. I said, glory to God. Now you're rolling. Hallelujah. I told you many, many years ago about a preaching in a camp meeting. And uh, most of you new saints haven't heard this. It's not long, but I'll tell it to you so you'll get a good understanding. I told about how that, uh, how that uh, I was preaching a camp meeting and everybody was sitting there DOA, <laughs> dead on arrival. They walked in, uh, they walked in just praying that the closing prayer, the benediction would take place before the opening song ever started. And I, I got up to preach and, and they were deader than last year's bird nest and they're dead twice and, and, and plucked up by the roots. I mean, they, they were dead and, and I kept preaching and the Holy Ghost said, don't, don't let up, Johnson, just keep pounding. And I kept on preaching and in a little while, my, 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 the anointing fell. And all of that camp meeting crowd hit the aisle dancing and jerking. Ooh, I feel God now. I feel God now. And they, they started doing that in the middle of the sermon. You know what I did? I said, hold it. Stop. Every one of you stop right now. They all stopped me. I said, go sit down. And they looked at me like I was crazy. And they all went and sat down. And I said, you made me pull this wagon 30 minutes uphill by myself. And I said, I got it on the top of the hill. And now you want to ride it down free. And you're not going to. I'm going to finish this in the name of Jesus. Guess what happened the next night? They came in there on fire for God from the get-go. Hallelujah. So that's what I'm trying to say. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, that's for you, Bubba. All right? All right. Hallelujah. So so let me tell you that this group here, and you know the story. It's an old great Bible story. Uh, here was a man that, uh, that, that didn't think a thing about a giant. He didn't worry about a wall. He didn't worry about a fence that, that would hold somebody back. He didn't worry about that. The only thing he knew about was how great God is. How big is God? How great is our God? That's what he knew about. And he was a mountain conqueror. Not just a mountain climber. He would conquer the mountain. He was a conqueror and a great one. The giants had occupied the mountain that Caleb had inherited. And by the way, where his his descendants would live. That mountain that he conquered was occupied by a man named Anak, A-N-A-K, Anak. And I don't know if you've ever studied him or not, uh, but uh, uh, Anak was probably a cousin to other giants in biblical days. 
a cousin or some type of relative or kin. And if you read the Old Testament, you'll find out more about the land of the giants, etc., and the giants that were prevalent back in those days. And the the uh, Anak crowd. Now, watch this. It's going to be very important for the for the rest of this sermon. They were a group uh, that had struck fear in the minds of Israel. They were warlike in appearance. They were intimidating. They were big. They were bold. They were loud. They were uh, dominant-type individuals, and they were a handful. And the mountain that Caleb was to inherit was occupied by Anak and his descendants. And after Joshua and Caleb had possessed the land, the descendants of Anak on that mountain, after they possessed the land and Caleb went to war with them, now look at this, after two generations, after two generations, the descendants of Anak vanished from the face of the earth. Come on, shout hallelujah. After two generations, Anak and his descendants vanished from the face of the earth. Somebody, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm telling you that God has a way of conquering the enemy in your life and putting him out of business in your life. For good. Somebody say amen. That's what God can do for you. You don't have to linger around and keep looking over your shoulder. God's on the throne. Say amen. And so Caleb had patience in his faith, and he won the prize. Somebody said, well, why did he win? Because he had a different spirit about him, and that's what God's trying to find for an American modern church today, is to drag it into the house of God, worried about what everybody else in the world is going to think about us, and turn loose and magnify the name of the Lord, and do a little hand clapping, and do a little owl jumping, and a little praising of the name of Jesus, and let God Almighty come down and give us a fresh flow of the joy of the Lord, and magnify His high and holy name. Somebody give God a big praise right now, because that's what we ought to be doing. Amen. Let's enjoy that. Let's talk about another spirit. You want to? Let's talk about that, that different spirit. The, the Hebrew word for another has a root word spelled A-C-H. It's pronounced ak. I, I, uh, I just want you all to know that's how it's pronounced. I looked it up. I wrote it down right here. I did your homework for you. Aren't you glad? Amen. So, so this word means uh, hang out. It means uh, I won't go away. It means I'm going to follow and I'm not going to desert the party. I'm going all the way. And that spirit, that spirit that he had said, I don't care what's on the mountain. I don't care what's in the valley. I don't care anything about the giants. I don't care anything about how bad the walls are uh, walled up. None of that affects me. I have one thing, and that is I'm going to hang out. I'm not going away. I'm going to follow. I'm not going to leave, and I'm not going to desert. Hallelujah. How many of y'all like that? Say amen. Do, Do you know that this should be the attitude of the children of God every day that we live? Satan, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be here when the sun sets. I'm going to have my sword in my hand. What's the old preacher of ancient days when he said, I'm going to fight the devil with all I've got with my sword. And when I drop my sword, 
I'm going to crawl on him and I'm going to have a, a backbone like a saw log. He went on to say, I'm going to bite him when I'm fighting him until my teeth fall out. Then I'm going to gum him. Come on and say amen. I'm going to do it in the name of Jesus. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going away. I'm not going under. I'm not going down. I'm not going backwards. Hallelujah. I'm on the side of the Lord because I have a spirit in me that will never quit, never give up, never go back. Hallelujah. That's what God has for the church today. Let's get into that in Jesus' name. Say amen. Hallelujah. That attitude of God's people is very important. You see, because the devil's crowd already has that. The devil's crowd already has that. They say, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna accept us. You're going to. Whether you want to or not, you're going to. And our politicians are so weak-kneed and spineless that they just bow down and cry, holy, holy, holy. Everything they're trying to do out there. Amen. Well, you might as well say amen. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be mean. You know the facts. Oh, whatever the, the foreign countries that hate God, hate the church, hate Jesus, and are killing Christians by the scores of thousands every year and wiping them out, let's be friends with them. No, 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 no. No, but we're, we're going to be what God wants us to be. Hallelujah. And we need to take a stand as the body of Jesus Christ. I wish somebody would help me a little bit. I'm going to preach this to this crowd over here. They need it worse, all right? No, I'm kidding. All right, so, so, so let's understand that God had already spied out the land. God had already spied out the land, and God said, it is conquerable. But the people said, whoa, 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 we're going to have to go look for ourselves. What a point. What a point. Amen. The next thing was, they failed to take God's word for truth. When God said, I'm going to give you that land, and God wants you to walk by faith and not by sight. What a point. Amen? And then by, he says, walk by revelation and not by report. Who has believed the report of the Lord? His report says, I am saved. His report says, I am healed. His report says, I am free. His report says, victory. That's what God's trying to say to us today. And I don't know why we just can't go ahead and claim that in Jesus' name and say, Satan, you're a liar. Hell is going to fold in front of us someday. We're going to stand on streets of gold. We're going to magnify the name of the Lord while the devil is burned in hell. We have the power of God. I'm telling you, we have a different spirit. Hallelujah. That's what the church of the living God has. We have a different spirit. And by the way, these podcasts are getting out everywhere. I don't know if you know that or not. I've gotten phone calls from people out of state, way out in the Midwest, way up in the Midwest, in different places, uh, and, and, and calling me on the phone. They said, I've been listening to podcasts. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. Uh, and, and, and so I just want everybody to understand that, that we're going to walk by faith uh, and not by, uh, not by the report of the world. Amen. Well, that's what we're going to do. God is on the throne, no matter what. And they wanted to see a couple of things. They want to see is the land. Here's what they said in the Bible. They said, "Is the land good or bad?" And then they said, "Is it fat or is it lean?" That's what they said. Now that's an old time way of saying, "Is there abundance or is it real slim pickings over there?" And in my case, it's abundance. Everybody say, "Amen." 
How many of y'all walking in abundance? Let me see your hand. Come on, you liar. Raise your hand up. I know. <laughs> no, no, just kidding there. All right. I'm walking in great abundance, and, 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 and I just want y'all to know that. But I did lose a lot of weight, and I found clothes in my closet I couldn't wear for 20 years, and they fit. Uh, by the way, it was a necktie. Okay, so, all right. <laughs> now, you don't have to write that in your notes, all right? Just leave that part out. Uh, but, but where I'm going here is that there's a valley in Canaan called Eskul, Eskul Valley. Now, I want to talk about that just a minute, okay? It was uh, known, had a nickname of the Valley of Clusters. And somebody said, why that? Because it was rich. It had cool brooks. It had big grapes. It had palm granites, huge. It had tall trees, green grass, and beautiful to the eye. It was a place desirable to live. It had all of that. And when the children of uh, the spies got over there, they saw that, and they could not deny the fruitfulness of the Eskul Valley. They could not deny the fruitfulness. But still, at the same time, they realized that we have some type of enemy that we have to conquer. When you weigh the good and the bad... The good outweighs the bad. Come on, church. God is bigger than the bad. God is bigger than the bad. God can change your life. God can heal your marriage. God can heal your finances. God can touch you. God can set you free. God can save your children. God can heal your body. God can have things show up when you didn't expect it in the right way. I'm trying to convey to you... That if you have a different spirit, God sees that. And God saw that in Caleb. And every fifth time he opened his mouth about him, he bragged on him. Because God knew what he could do in that man's life. Woo! Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, now i I got to go a little bit further here. This is getting richer than Jersey cream. So, so let's go a little further here. There was no question about how big the enemy was. No question about the enemy. The Bible declares how big they were. It says how big they were. And do you understand that God's not going to lie about the devil or about mankind? Amen. The enemy is big. There's no question about that. They had the land. They possessed the land already. It was theirs. Watch this. However, don't forget that God had given Israel the ability to fight as well. So the next time your trial and your test comes up, you don't need to whimper back and say, no, whoa, 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 man, wait a minute, God, I'm not ready for this. God has already equipped you to be more than the enemy is right now in this day before the fight ever begins. Hallelujah. God has got victory for you right now. Amen. Watch this. Israel has some things going in their favor. And by the way, so do you. Amen. You got a mighty big God. You got a never failing God. You got a God that owns all the cattle on the hills. Amen. You got a God, and the country preacher said many years ago when I was a kid on South 15th Street, that God owns all the cattle on the hills and all the taters under the hill that you can go dig up. Amen. God owns it all. And understand that you've got some things going for you. Right now, Jesus Christ is still alive. 
Right now, the Bible's still true. Right now, the Holy Ghost is still real. Right now, the, the report of the Lord is victory in Jesus Christ. Right now, the family's going to get saved. Glory to God. That's the report. Believe it. And so, we have to tell you that Israel was well marshaled also. And understand this. They had a wise captain. But they were not united. They had ten against two in the body. And that's what cost that other bunch victory. It cost them their victory, that other bunch. That's what, that's what made them go down in defeat. We've got to understand this. Uh, the, the ten deserved, that didn't have the good report, they deserved to be called cowards, but God was merciful to them and just simply said they're unbelievers. Somebody asked me, well, how do you know that? Because I read it in this book called the Holy Bible. And this Bible said that, that, that they weren't plagued with cowardice. They were unbelievers. And suppose Canaan was stronger. Just suppose that. Uh, let me ask you a question. Were they stronger than the God of Israel? The answer is no. All enemies have power and strength against us. They come against us all the time. But, you know, I, I was listening the other day to a, a wonderful preacher who runs 5,000 people in his church in Florida. I listen to him regularly, great guy, and, uh, and I, I've, I've enjoyed his preaching. And, uh, and he named family after family after family after family after family in his church. And, and, and how that the enemy was fighting them. And they're, they're a spirit-filled, dynamite church, run thousands in their church. And, 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 and I'm just trying to tell you, the enemy is not hitting Calvary Worship Center. We're not this little island out here saying, oh God, what's wrong with us? That, that look. Every preacher I know, everyone that I'm talking to, the ones that call me on the phone. I had one call me just a couple of days ago, and he said, man, pray for me. Uh, and and it, it's everywhere out there because this is the hour of confrontation from the devil. God hates you. God hates the church. God hates Holy Ghost baptism. God hates the blood. Uh, excuse me. I got that backwards. I'm getting mad at the devil. I got fouled up on that. God loves us and the devil hates every one of those things. And he is against us. And he is not going to stand for us. And he's going to fight us with everything he has. But shout that God is on my side. Say it one more time. God is on my side. Amen. God is on my side. I want you to hear that. The ten deserved to be called cowards. God said they were unbelievers. Suppose Canaan was strong. God was still stronger. The cities were walled against them. But were those cities walled against heaven? The answer is no. Amen. Do you understand? Notice the boundaries. Had huge gates. But God's bigger than the gates of the enemy. Would you say amen? The, the crowd confessed that didn't have faith. We're nothing but grasshoppers compared to the enemy. Let me ask you a question. Let's settle it in our mind right now. Was not Egypt stronger than Canaan when God's children came out of Egypt? Was it not stronger than, than the land of Canaan? Sure it was. Egypt was the most powerful military in the world in that, at that time. 
It was big and formidable. It was, it was strong. And God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, a greater foe, a greater foe. And He delivered them out. And when He delivered them out, they came out and never fired a shot and never raised a sword. And God fought the battle for them. Somebody say hallelujah. Well, give Him some praise right there. Hallelujah. A bunch of you want to do it. Let's praise Him for that. That's what God did. Let me pause here to tell you that when they came out of Egypt, God had a way of doing things. You know what God did? God delivered them out of Egypt. And when He did, they never had to turn to the enemy. All they did is turn to God. Is that not still our best way to go? Mark this down, if you will. That day when they came out of Egypt, the chariots of sin were demolished, not the children of Israel. Woo! Hallelujah! Let me go further, if I may. I, I heard an old preacher say, an old preacher say, that God took the hammer of eternity and crashed it into the anvil of heaven in order to decorate the skies. And he said, if God can do that, then he can deliver us from the hand of the enemy. Now, the Bible didn't say anything about a hammer and an anvil, but he made a point to say if God can do what he's done in the past, God can do it right now. Hallelujah. And all they had to do was go. And the land that God promised to Abraham was theirs, and it was already in the making. God promised this land little by little, and God gave it to them little by little. And here's the beauty and the strength of every ounce of this, and that is that God can make His Word good. Somebody say, God can make His Word good. And Caleb in verse 30 said, Let's go up at once. We're well able to overcome it. And when I, I read that, all I want to go is to verse 24 in chapter 14 where it said, My servant Caleb, because he had a different spirit, he had a another spirit. He wasn't like everybody in the crowd. He had something different from everybody else was with him, and that spirit made him a champion, and he was not defeated. Glory be to God. He had been to the river where the champions drink from. He had been to the river where the land was good, and God said, go and get the land. The spirit that was different from the rest of the spies he looked at Canaan, and they looked at the giants. He looked at God's Word, and they looked at the walls. He looked at everything that was going on through the eyes of God Almighty, and they looked at it through the eyes of doubt and defeat and discouragement. And when they made up their mind, they made sure that everybody knew that they can't do it, we can't make it. But Caleb said, whoa, we're well able. We need to do it right now. Let's dig in. Let's go. Hallelujah. The devil is in front of us, and he's nothing but something we can trample over in the power of God in the name of Jesus. And somebody said, what makes you think you can do that? Because the Son of the living God in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 took his heel and crashed it on the top of the devil's head and said, the seed of that woman will crack his brain. 
Glory be to God. We need to stir the devil's camp right now and say we have a different spirit. We're not going down backwards the other way. We're not going away. God is here. And we're going to have victory in Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. I wish you'd give God a good praise. I know you're preaching with me, but let's give Him one great big praise. Amen. His Spirit furnished Him with the second thoughts, but good thoughts. Somebody told me one day, I got second thoughts about that. Oh, big deal. Get the good thoughts. Come on, step up to it. In Jesus' name. Certainly. He knew about that. Okay. Getting close to wrap up here. Uh, I read in history, I'm a little bit of a history buff, and I read in history that uh, cavalry and generals and famous military people such as George Washington never rode into a battle on a white horse. A white stallion was a symbol of victory. A white stallion prancing with his feet up was a symbol of conquering. That's what I read about famous giant uh, leaders and generals and, and, and leaders of military people. Do you know that cavalry people rode dark horses until they had a victory insured? And then they mounted the white stallion and rode through like, we have done it. It's conquered. The white stallion was a symbol of victory. Now, for those of you full of the Holy Ghost, for those of you who feel like your feet are saved and you wouldn't mind doing a little dancing and praising, and for those of you that feel like you've got a little bit of joy in your hands and you feel like clapping them, and for those of you that feel a bubbling of the joy of the Lord in your life right now, I'm going to give you something you need to know. In the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verse 11, said that when the war was started... The battle of Armageddon, that heaven opened up, and the rider came forth on the white horse. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, he came out saying, wait a minute, this battle's over now. The very fact that I'm on the white stallion is going to let you know that the devil is defeated. The enemy has, whoo, my God, I feel a run coming on. Somebody help me right now. This is the word of the Lord for the body of Jesus God has given us a victory. He has already come out of heaven riding on the white stallion. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to mount right behind him. And I'm going to say, let's go get him, Jesus. Hallelujah. God is still out there. God can still get me that job. God can still heal my sick. God can still set me free. God can still take the drunkard and the alcoholic and the person bound by hell and make them free. God can deliver you from pornography. God can deliver you from everything that's eating your life alive right now. God can still do that. Why? Because you have a different spirit about you. And He is alive and real. Let God let God bless you right now and praise His holy name. Amen. God can do that. How long have you longed and sought for victory? The battle after battle, and you feel like you lost it. I want you to get a different spirit today. That's what God said, a different one. Another one. Different from what you have. <laughs> Man, that's, that's pretty unique. A spirit that will be with you, in you, and follow you. Saints, evangelists, pastors, teachers, 
uh, kids' church workers, youth workers, everybody, listen to this. Look and see that there's a land of milk and honey. There's a land of blessing. The grapes are big. The palm granites are huge. The watermelons have to be carried in wheelbarrows. That's Texas for you. Come on, say amen. Amen. Deuteronomy 1 and verse 29 says, Neither be afraid and do not dread. Do not dread and do not be afraid. The Lord your God goes before you. He's in front of you. May I add, He's riding on the white stallion. <laughs> Woo! I thought somebody hit the aisle dancing then. Let, let me tell you what else. He said, I will fight for you. And he moved into Egypt before your eyes and set them free from Egypt. And Egypt was stronger than Canaan. And God delivered them without raising a sword. And he will do it for you in the name of Jesus Christ. God is still God today. The wilderness, he will bear thee up in his arms. He shall bring you into this place, a place of victory. A fruitful land. Now, here is what I'm going to tell you. Get ready to be a note taker. It's going to be on the screen. Here is how you do it. Are you ready? Tell me if you're ready or not. I'm ready. Hallelujah. Ready or not, here I come. <laughs> here is how you do it. Number one, distance your disablers. Mm-hmm. Somebody say, okay. Now, that does not mean you walk up to somebody who's always trying to rob your victory. Say, I rebuke in the name of Jesus. Get out of my... Don't start all that holy roller stuff, okay? Just be nice. Just be nice and distance your disabler. You hang around with a disabler, and they're going to disable you. Brother Johnson, you have Bible for that? Oh, I'm glad you asked. You made my day. Oh, Abraham. Lot. Go. You have disabled me. You cost me too much. You have to disable or distance your disablers. You, you, you know, we just have to do that. Uh, uh, Paul said, Alexander, the coppersmith, did me much evil. Amen. He had people in his crowd that didn't work with him. And he was not vicious, but he distanced himself. So distance yourself from a disabler. Well, they're my friend. That's a Greek word. Baloney. B-U-L-L-O-N-Y Baloney I know better I'm just trying to get you to laugh a little bit and That worked Distance yourself They're not much of your friend If they're going to drag you down If every time you get on Facebook And the telephone or whatever it is with them And, and, and whatever you're going to do with them And they're going to be negative and full of that spirit Just, just distance yourself Put it in neutral 
Let them float on down the river their way, and you go the other direction. Why, Brother Johnson? Because you have a different spirit. Amen? All right. In 3 John, verse 9, in 3 John, verse 9, John had to distance himself from a man called Diophrophes. It's only got one chapter, and verse 9 says this. Diophrophes, who wants to have preeminence among the brethren, has caused me problems. You know what he's saying? He said, I have to distance myself. I have to do this. And, and, and there's just people around there that's going to try that. So everybody say, I will distance my disablers. Now start doing that. Amen. Start doing it. Don't say, well, when it's God's timing, baloney on that. Don't wait. Do it now. Start today. All right. Here's the next thing I want you to know. I think this will be on the screen. Don't put off God doing God's plan for your life. Stop putting it off. Somebody said, what Bible is there? Caleb said, let's go up at once and possess it. We have to stop putting off God's plan for our lives. God's got something for you to do. Why in the world are we waiting? Go do it. Everybody say amen. Here's the next one. All right. Are you ready? <clears throat> Don't plan on doing God's will someday. Do His will today. Do His will today. Oh, someday I'm going to start paying tithes when things are better. Start now. And then it'll get better. That's just God's promises. <clears throat> just let go and let God do something for you like that. You see, God didn't call you to let you down. You know that? God did not call you to let you down. Uh, and then here's the fourth one. I only have five of them. Okay, so I'm down to number four. Then we're going to close. N number four, uh, it is not where you start, but it's when you start. It's not where you start, but it's when you start. Look at me. Come on. Get going. Get going. Get after it. Start. Well, I'm just waiting for God. No, He's already spoken. God's already talked to us. He's talked to every one of us. And so, so do that. Uh, here's number five. <clears throat> this is a faith walk. This is a walk of faith, not a walk of feeling. This is a faith walk. I'm going to step every step of the way, and I'm going to do it in Jesus' name. I like that, don't you? You see, don't, don't stop at the first good thing God does for you. I just see people that get, oh, uh, hallelujah, he finally blessed me. And then they just stop. Don't stop at the first good thing God's doing for you. Pursue God. Hang out. Don't quit. Don't go back. Get a different thing going. And God said because Caleb had a different spirit with him. Him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. 
How many of you know you heard from God today? Can I see your hand? May, may I just add this as a little last wave of the brush on the canvas? <clears throat> God is very patient. Don't wear his patience thin. Start doing things that he wants you to do. And and you know how many hundreds, maybe thousands of times in the past year since I started preaching. Well, someday, Brother Johnson, I'm just going to step out there and do it. <clears throat> it does not matter where you start. It's when you do it. Everybody say, get going. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, I want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for this crowd that's been alive with me. I want to thank you for their attentiveness and their desire to move in. And I ask in Jesus' name that your spirit will touch. That the hand of God will manifest itself in power. That you'll help us to understand that Egypt was stronger than Canaan and you delivered the children of God out of there. Why would you not deliver them into the land of Canaan where their blessing was? In your word, Lord, you came out into the war on the white stallion. You weren't waiting for some hopeful victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are there. Now, Father, I pray that you will allow us to shake off some of our stuff and start just walking right behind you and not putting it off. Starting now. And give us the kindness and the tenderness to distance our disablers so they won't be dragging us down. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And when we do this, Lord, we're going to find ourselves in the valley of Eshkul. We're going to be eating the good of the land, the fat of the land, and not the lean. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And the body of Christ said, Hallelujah.